Welcome to Deepening Our Faith, a podcast series by the National Office for Evangelization. If you have any questions, please visit us, evangelizeaustralia.com. Enjoy. and I'm the Bishop of Broken Bay and I'm here now to introduce you to the fourth section of the compendium of the Catholic Church as part of this series of talks that will help you to deepen your appreciation of the mysteries of our faith. The fourth section here is only 14 pages although I'm going to say later that the appendix that is there really belongs with the fourth section but in the Catechism it's 74 pages. And because of the different nature of this particular book in the Catechism, there is one paragraph in the Catechism that is not contained in the compendium that I would like to read to you because I, I believe it captures the importance of this particular section of the book. Because I want to say that this is not just one of the sections. It is the underlying framework uh, of the whole book and of the whole experience of reading the book. <clears throat> In the first paragraph of the fourth part of the Catechism, we have a paragraph that I would like to read. Great is the mystery of the faith. The Church professes this mystery in the Apostles' Creed. In brackets, part one. That was the first part. We talked about the Apostles' Creed and celebrates it in the sacramental liturgy. That was the second part about the sacraments. So that the life of the faithful may be conformed to Christ in the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. That was the third part um, centred around uh, the Ten Commandments. And now it talks about the fourth part. This mystery then requires that the faithful believe in it, the first part, that they celebrate it, the second part, and that they live from it, the third part, and now the fourth part, in a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. So it's not just a question of believing and of celebrating and of doing, it's a question of doing all of those things within the context of a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. And it concludes, this relationship is prayer. So what we're talking about here is prayer. But prayer seen as a relationship with God. The compendium captures the concept without actually saying all of the things that I have just read. By defining prayer in its opening paragraph, um, as the personal and living relationship of the children of God with their Father, who is infinitely good, with his Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit who dwells in their hearts. So it's the relationship with the, uh, the Trinity that gives meaning to all of these other things. We are often accused of being too concerned with doctrine. And of course our faith can become too concerned with doctrine if we separate it 
from that living relationship with God that gives meaning to the doctrine. So doctrine alone, in isolation, can be leading us away from God. By the same token, just focusing on morality, <coughs> the good things that we do, it is right for us to have a morality. But our faith is more than a morality. It is the doing of things within the context of uh, our relationship with God. Actions in themselves can be indifferent. It's the relationship that gives them their meaning. And it's the relationship of prayer that we have with God that gives meaning to the things that we do. And when we come to celebrate, it's not just the celebration alone. You can find people that come to Mass every Sunday and it can be out of habit or because their partner comes, lots of reasons. But it is most meaningful and perhaps only meaningful when it's done within that relationship with the living Trinity, which we are celebrating um, in the Eucharist. So the point that's being made here is that prayer is not just an extra, it's not just one of the many things that we do. It is the all-embracing framework of um, the relationship that we have with God, the nature of which is explained in our doctrine and the consequences of which are explained in the commandments and in the celebration of the liturgy. But it is the relationship um, that is uh, the important thing. Now that prayer, that relationship, is what we call holiness. And that's something that the church is emphasising today. What's the outcome of all that we do by running parishes, by running programs? It's to bring about a deepening of this vital and personal relationship with God. And that's what holiness is. I remember reading in a book of the Desert Fathers, they used to tell stories to bring out the point that they were making. And they told the story of one monk who wanted to know from God who was the humblest person in the whole of Egypt. And this is going back to the very origins when there were thousands of monks in Egypt. And God said to him, the next person that knocks at your door is the humblest person in Egypt. And to be the humblest, of course, was to be the holiness. So the knock comes and the monk rushes off to the door to see which of the monks is the holiness and all the holiest in the whole of Egypt and it's the man from the village delivering the bread. A reminder that holiness is not just something for monks, not just something for clergy, it is something for all believers. And what we're looking at when we talk about the, um, this fourth part of the catechism is that relationship that we have with God. Now we can speak about it and it sounds static, but it's something that is ever deepening. We can talk about a person being married as they walk out of the church after the marriage ceremony. And it's right, they are married. But if we look at that same relationship in 25 years and say they're married, it means more than it did when they just walked out of the church. That there's been the experience of living what they celebrated in the church. And our holiness is something that is meant to grow. And the point that is being made is that everybody, you who are watching this video, um, you are called to deepen that relationship with God. And that's what we're dealing with in this fourth um, section uh, of, the, of the compendium. You will find in the compendium, 
lots of things that will talk to you about prayer. And that's important. You'll find there um, information about the great prayers of our tradition, going back into the Old Testament and uh, looking at the great figures there, how their prayer was important and how it involved the, the, um, the people whom they served. We can learn from the way they pray. There's special reference to Mary as the first Christian disciple. Uh, see how she prayed and the role that she can play in our life as we journey to God. And above all, there is the prayer of Jesus. And it's by reflecting on the prayer of Jesus that we really do appreciate what our journey is about because his journey is our journey. That we are called to follow him, take up your cross and follow me. So if we want to understand our journey to God, then I think we can effectively uh, reflect on what Jesus uh, did and the meaning of it and how it applies to us. So you'll find here good examples of how to pray. I want to say, as I talk about learning from these um, um, people, have confidence in your own way of praying. I think sometimes when people take up a book about prayer, they sort of feel, well, I don't know much about this, I'll, I'll start again. You know, the very fact that you're watching this video, that you're wanting to read the compendium, means that you already have a vital and living relationship with God. But what the compendium is meant to do is to help you to understand that relationship, and in understanding that relationship, to deepen it. So I suggest that you read the book confident of your own way of relating to God, but open to the fact that you can learn and that that way that you have can be deepened. And what better way to deepen it than to look at how our great saints and our great people of the Bible have learned to pray, that they can teach us to pray to deepen the relationship um, that we have with God. You will find there diverse ways of praying, and I think that diversity um, is important because it's never a question of saying everybody should do this or everybody should do that. At times we all come together and do the one thing, and that is uh, very appropriate, but respect the diversity. And the diversity will be within the one person, that as we grow, the nature of our relationship with God develops, and therefore the expression of that relationship with God develops. The more we are open to God's love, then the more we are transformed by that love, and the more then we will respond um, according to that transformation. So what we have in the Catechism, in the compendium there, um, is really something that um, will help us to grow in prayer, seen as our relationship with God. Now, I don't wish to um, say that the relationship is all and the act is nothing. You know, sometimes it's confusing when the same word is used of the act and also of the relationship. We might use the word love of the relationship of marriage and we might refer to an act of love within it. But in using the one word, it's meant to show that the particular action is capturing the nature of the relationship. So that when we actually pray, 
we are expressing, expressing the living and personal relationship um, that we have with God. And we need to remember that what gives meaning to our prayer is the personal relationship. It's not how well we did the prayer. You will often go to prayer and find that you were distracted and it was difficult and you went to sleep or, or something like that. But the value of the prayer doesn't come from that. It comes from the relationship. The very fact that you set out to pray is acknowledging the relationship that you have with God. And therefore, whatever you do, so long as you are endeavouring to do what's appropriate, that's a sign of your love. And that can be read by God for far more than what somebody else sitting beside you uh, might think it to be. So the use of the word, as a, or the use of a particular word as an act and as a relationship, um, is meant to bring out that the act is capturing the nature of the, um, um, of the relationship. I wanted to spend a little time talking about the Lord's Prayer. I mentioned in an earlier talk that the church traditionally talks about its faith in terms of the Apostles' Creed, talks about its liturgy in terms of the seven sacraments, talks about its moral behaviour in terms of the Ten Commandments. Now, traditionally, it speaks about holiness in terms of the Lord's Prayer. And if we just apply what I said, this particular prayer, as you can see, captures the whole uh, context and relationships within which it is prayed because it is an expression of the reality that is already there. So when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we're capturing a number of important elements about the life of holiness. The words may be difficult for you, um, the words imminent and transcendent, but they, they actually talk about the fact that, that God is the creator of all. He transcends all of us. How dare we, as it were, come into the, into the presence of such an almighty God? That emphasises the transcendence of God. But there's another side which we call the imminence, which is the closeness of God. The God who has come to us in Jesus. Not just through Jesus, but in Jesus. That Jesus is God present to us. And the whole story of Israel, how God came close to them through its various leaders and through the people themselves. So when we say, um, who art in heaven and hallowed be thy name, we're capturing that transcendent dimension. When we say Father, we're capturing the reality that this transcendent God has come to us and we are able to call God Father. So that the Christian God is the transcendent God and the Christian God is the imminent God. It's a paradox, as it were. But both of those are necessary for an understanding of this vital and personal relationship, which is what prayer um, really is. I didn't mention the word our, our Father. This is a community prayer. We do pray it alone, and that's important, but it captures that all our prayer is, in a sense, community prayer. Because all our prayer goes through Jesus. And of course, it's in Jesus that all our individual prayers are met. 
So that this captures the fact that God's covenant was with the people and that God's covenant is with those people who have responded um, to his love. So it's a communal prayer and I think we need to understand that. And it's important that we reflect on the prayer to draw out these elements because you can let it slide off your tongue in an habitual way without it actually um, meaning very much. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's a parallelism here that we often find in the scriptures. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done mean the same thing. And for the Jews, the kingdom was not a place. It, it was the rule of the king. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, it is God ruling in the hearts of people, that that's what we're trying to bring about. So thy will be done is, can only happen when God is ruling in our hearts. This is the, um, the importance of what the kingdom is about and what the preaching of the gospel is about, to bring people in their heart to be open to live the will of God. And when the will of God is being lived, then the kingdom of God is actually achieved. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I like to associate that petition with the providence of God. So often we don't appreciate that God is watching over us. I remember reading the Confessions of Augustine and uh, he came to, con to conversion very late. And when he realised that, he, he realised how God had been with him. And he said, late have I loved you, O beauty at once so ancient and so new, late have I loved you. Emphasising that God had loved him before that. If you look at the bread episodes in the scriptures, uh, the manna, the multiplication of the loaves, Jesus in St John's Gospel speaking about his, his message in terms of bread, all of these things are talking about something that God gives to us. And I believe that what we're asking for when we say that, thy will be done, um, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking God to wash over us. We can include in that temporal things, but ultimately what we are asking for are the things that will bring us closer to God, to do the will of God here on earth, and thus deepen this vital and personal relationship with him, which is what our prayer is. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Notice the one thing that is singled out in this prayer. It is mercy. Mercy is always important in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, the virtue of the covenant was mercy. In the New Testament, we tend to talk about it in love, but really it is the same reality. We are to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. We are to love with the love that came from the Father to Jesus and we are to love as I have loved you. We find many places in the scriptures, Peter saying, should it be 70 times? 70 we forgive. Uh, or seven times and Jesus saying 70 times uh, 70. The unjust steward that, didn't, that was forgiven and didn't forgive highlighting for us this relationship with each other, the our of the Our Father, 
But that's really something that is absolutely essential in our journey to God, that we are to love one another as I have loved you. And I think in that petition, we are asking God um, that we are able to do that. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The presupposition of that last um, petition is the victory of, of Jesus over the world and over sin and over Satan. We acknowledge that I have overcome the world, as Jesus said, Jesus has overcome the world. And we go with confidence to the Father, knowing that if temptation comes, if the evil, the evil one, actually comes to us, then we are able to resist through the power of God because we know that Jesus has overcome, that Jesus is victorious. There's a certain triumphalism here. Sometimes we speak against triumphalism in the church and there's a bad triumphalism. But what we're talking about here is the confidence that we have because Jesus has triumphed. So that's the context um, of the Lord's Prayer. Some of those thoughts you will find in the compendium to the Catechism. You will find that the Lord's Prayer is truly a summary of the Gospel. In a sense, it's the first Christian creed. In St. Luke's Gospel, the Lord's Prayer emerges because the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. Just to pray as your disciples. And that's what I think John the Baptist people were saying, teach us to pray as uh, your disciples. And the whole context is that this is a summary of the gospel. It's our first Christian creed that captures the essential elements um, that are there. I'd just like to spend a moment looking at the, the last, set. well, it's not the last section, prayer is the last section, but the appendix um, to the book. It's called Common Prayers and Formulas um, of Catholic Doctrine. And I want to recommend you not only to read that section, but to actually pray that section. Because what we have in the prayers that we have there are really the truths that are contained in the compendium and in the catechism put into prayer. That as we pray them in this formula, we are reminding ourselves of those truths. That's the point of creeds. That's why we say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed in our Sunday liturgy. Just to remind ourselves of this framework within which we relate in a vital and personal way um, to the living God. And by saying them alone or saying them together, if you are working with others, you're deepening your appreciation of those things. I like to make a distinction between community and communion. We are a community and we often use that word. But community can be found in many places. We are the communion community. We are the community of the people who have come together because of their vital and personal relationship with the living God um, through Jesus. And that's a communion. And when we pray these prayers that are capturing the nature of that communion, then we are deepening um, our relationship with God and gaining further understanding and appreciation of the, um, um, of the nature of that relationship. 
Just finally, I would like to recommend that you read the final section of the Catechism. As I said, it's 74 pages, um, but it fills out in a very meaningful way many of the things that you've got there um, in the compendium. And many things that didn't quite make the compendium, as can happen in any synthesis, uh, are very, very significant. So I think that if you do have time, um, and when you've finished working with the compendium, to take that up, you will find um, it to be a very, uh, a further help to understand and appreciate what this relationship with God is. So again, as I did before, I wish you not just a good read, but a good experience, a deeper experience of the relationship that you have with God as you engage with the compendium and the catechism of the Catholic Church. If you would like more information about what you've just heard, please contact us at info at evangelizeaustralia.com or visit our website evangelizeaustralia.com.